is going on, everybody? I am Brett Popish, and this is Defiant. You all know what the show's about. I got a special guest with me today uh, in Ron Lottie. Uh, Ron and I just recently met through our business coaching organization, the Arte Syndicate. And, uh, you know, we had a brief conversation, what, a week and a half ago, Ron? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think this guy's got a killer story. He's got a killer background and really just a good message and a good uh, overall uh message or education to bring to all the listeners out there. So without further ado, uh, Ron, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Brad. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, thank you for being here. So uh, for those out there listening, Ron, you're kind of like a, a renaissance man, I would say. Um, I kind of <laughs> overuse that term, but uh, you're in the financial services industry. Uh, you're a father. You're a, a former military uh, what else would you like to start off? Just kind of give us a, a brief snippet of who you are and kind of what your story is, sir. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I've been called far worse. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just met you, so I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to overstep my bounds just yet. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I mean, on top of that stuff, like, um, I, I guess I'm an author. I wrote, a, I wrote a book fairly recently. It talks a little bit about my life. Um, I've had a million different jobs and, and being a bald guy, actually like you, I'm, I'm also, I own a barbershop, which is a little strange, right? Um, hey man, you gotta, so, you gotta get rid of the stubble. That's right. I, I can't stand it. So, um, <laughs> I've owned, I've owned a CrossFit gym in the past, some nonprofits, uh, some football teams and, and the like. So my journey has been kind of all over the map. I, I joke that I've probably done a little bit of everything in my life and I'm still trying to figure out who I am, even though I'm. 42 years old. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You and I are the exact same age. <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So off topic, uh, just totally off topic. What year did your hair start going away from you? Mine was oh, in man. 2020. So, when was yours? Uh, 2020. Okay. So mine is self-imposed and this kind of goes a little bit with my story. Um, I've been shaving my head with a buzzer since I was in fifth or sixth grade. Oh, wow. Um, and then I started shaving it the size with the razor when I was in high school. And then it went straight razor right when I got back from my basic training with the military. But um, so I, I caused it myself. But I, ironically, and this maybe go is going deep real quick <laughs> into this conversation. But I started shaving my head because um, my mom, when I was a kid, when I was before the age of 15, my mom struggled, unfortunately, with, with drug and alcohol addiction. Um, and I, I grew up seeing a lot of crazy things in my life. But one of the things that I don't share very often is um, she and her friends used to like to grow my hair out and put it in a ponytail and kind of make fun of me. Um, so the, one day I found a, a buzzer and I shaved it all off and I said, oh, that's never happening again. So um, that's a sensitive subject, but I went right there. So it's pretty wow. neat to kind of talk it out. Yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, you know, definitely. Thanks for sharing that. I can't imagine that was uh, too easy. How old were you when that happened? Jeez. Uh, so it happened a lot when I was a kid, unfortunately, but that was around 10, 11 years old. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. sorry to hear that, man, but uh, I think you've turned out okay, given, <laughs> given what we've talked about thus far. Fair enough. I'm doing my best. <laughs> Good deal. So uh, you and I connected on the Facebook group because you are doing, uh, let's just talk about what you're doing here. I think it's next week. Um, yeah. I'm going to let you run with it because I think you're nuts, personally. <laughs> um, <laughs> But tell our listeners exactly what it is you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, so next uh, Friday, the 28th at 8 a.m., I will start a 44-hour workout that will end at 4 a.m. on Sunday. 
talk a little bit about what that's going to look like. But I think the reason why I'm doing because, yeah, I, I agree. I probably am a little crazy. Um, but the reason I'm doing it is I, like a lot of people in our in our lives, um, have struggled with depression, with anxiety, with PTSD my, my whole life. And for many years, I just buried the shit down. And, you know, every once in a while, I'd blow up on somebody or I would ruin a relationship or I'd F up a job. And, be, you know, so what I'd started to try to do over the years of working with counselors and other people is find good outlets for that shit. <laughs> and it turned into long ass hard workouts. And it really stemmed from being in the military, doing things that suck and just doing it for a long period of time. Um, so I designed this workout with the hopes of, helping other people uh, find a way to keep moving forward through the shit. And I designed it to be 48 hours, two days, so that it almost is symbolic of going through the darkness and into the light. And then again, finding a way to go through the darkness and into the light. The reason why I went from 48 hours down to 44 hours, which I'm not upset about, by the way. <laughs> Can't uh, imagine. The, the reason why it, it's less is I, um, I'm i working with Mission 22, a fantastic charity uh, out of Oregon that works with veterans and their families to help support them and uh, hopefully fight uh, veteran suicide. It's a it's a commonly known stat of around 22 veterans a day commit suicide. That number's coming down. It's around 19 now, which is 19 too many. Um, so when that came about, I said, well, what they said 22 a day, you're going to do it over two days. Would you be willing like basically bring it down to 44? So it's more symbolic. Um, so that's the, that's the point of the workout. Now, uh, the workout itself is going to be a little nuts. Uh, I, you know, those who know me uh, when looking at me know um, I'm not what you would consider an, uh, what, what someone looks like when they're an endurance athlete. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm five, nine, 220 ish pounds. Um, I'm not very fast. I can't run long distances very well. I'm not very strong. I can't jump to save my life. None of the things. I'm not an athlete. Um but I'm going to try to do all these things to the best of my ability. So, Brett, it's going to start off with um, a half marathon run because that's what I hate the most and I want to just get it the hell out of the way. I love that. Uh, and then I'll move into uh, a bunch of other things. They'll, there's no sleeping involved. Um, eating is supposed to be brief in between exercise workouts. Uh, and I'll be changing clothes a ton because I'm down in Florida and it's like 95 degrees and 100% humidity. So, and I sweat putting my freaking sneakers on. So, uh, <laughs> so I, um, you know, I'll, I'll take a couple breaks to to eat, uh, change my clothes, um, and then move on to the next thing, which is uh, I'm trying to remember the order I put it in. But there's a marathon echo bike. Any of you who have ever used an echo bike know that that's just it's going to be hell for a couple hours. Um, when you say there, real quick, yeah, you say echo bike, are you talking like a, an air diner an assault bike where you got the hands moving along with the feet? That's exactly right. The, the rogue assault bike is what I'll be using. Okay. Yeah. And how, how long are you going to be doing that for? Like a certain amount of miles or a certain amount of time? 26.2 miles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good luck. Anybody yeah. out there that's ever used an assault bike, you know exactly uh, why I said good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's hard to do. Standalone, never mind coming off of doing a half marathon run. This again, if I was an athlete, it probably wouldn't be an issue. But for someone like me, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard. Um, I'm gonna do Murph twice, the Murph workout, which I'll explain for if anybody doesn't know what Murph is. Um, it's a one mile run, 100 pull ups, 200 push ups, 300 air squats, and then you finish with a one mile run. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'll do that twice during the 44 hours. 
Uh, I'm going to flip a tire around my neighborhood for a mile, which my neighbors are going to love. And a bunch of other things, which we can talk more about, but it's essentially nonstop for the full 44 hours. But the the part I'm most excited about is the end from midnight to 4 a.m. when it's going to be the hardest. It's going to be dark. Um, There's really, you know, the only thing keeping you going is your own integrity and sticking to what you said that you would do. And every demon I have in my entire life and my entire childhood, I know is going to be right beside me telling me to quit. Um, but I'm going to finish 12. It's going to be four hours of a, a weighted vest or a rucksack march where I'm just going to walk around the neighborhood for four mi- for four hours and just find a way. to. If I have to crawl, I crawl, but just keep moving until I get to the end. And hopefully, hopefully inspire somebody out there to just find a way to keep keep moving forward through, through the darkness. That's incredible. Now, let me ask you, what, uh, did somebody introduce that to you or does, is this something you just created on your own and you've located the charity, uh, to, to help you kind of, uh, collect the money and sponsor it or how did you get that set up? Yeah. So the workout itself, I appreciate the question. The workout itself is something that I designed and created. Um, I've done 30 hour ones. I've done 24 hour ones in the past, but I will say there's people out there like David Goggins and others that do similar things. I have a friend of mine who just finished a 315 mile run across the state of Tennessee. Like there's people doing incredible things. Um, and I, so I just kind of took bits and pieces from a, a bunch of different things that I've seen online and what people I looked up to are doing. And I created this workout. Now, as far as the charity goes, um, Till Valhalla Project is a, a phenomenal company down in St. Augustine, Florida. They create these T-shirts and other T-shirts and a bunch of other things where um, the proceeds go towards. And I'll, you know, there's a story behind that. And I don't know the full whole full story, so I can't give it justice. But they help veterans and they help um, give some um, respect to those that have lost their lives. When when I met with them fairly recently, um, I was so inspired. I, I got to walk around their headquarters. And I met a, a woman named Kim. She welcomed me in. She showed me around and she talked about all these charities that they send their proceeds to. And one of them was Mission 22. And I could see how passionate she was about it. And I said, boy, it'd be great to do something to, to add to that legacy and, and in a way help Till Valhalla, help Mission 22 and help as many veterans as we possibly can. Yeah, that's awesome. So how can people, let's just get get this right out of the way early on. How can people support you in this endeavor? I appreciate that too. Um, the best way is that uh, Mission 22 set up a um, a link for me, like a homepage that people can go to and click on. It's a long website that's impossible for me to say to you now. So what I tell everybody is go right to my Facebook page or my Instagram page. It's just at Ron Lottie, R-O-N-L-O-T-T-I. You'll see a bunch of posts from me on there. You'll see the link and, and you can you can contribute that way. Uh, but the other way too is it's not really it's not about me and um, even just spreading the word and getting you now know what you've heard about Mission 22 you've heard about Till Valhalla go on your own pages and share and share uh, as much as you possibly can that that's just as just as well as donating to the work I'm doing right and for the listeners out there I'm gonna put that link uh, in the show notes so I'm gonna have you send me that link Ron so I can include that in the show notes it'll pop up sure. you know right when people click on the podcast. Um, then they can go directly to there and, and, uh, sponsor you if they want or support you or support uh, mission 22 or Tilvahala or whatever they want to do there. Cause I think that's important. You know, we, we spend all this time these days. Um, and I told you, I'm not going to get political, but but we spend all these time, this time these days trying to, uh, affirm a bunch of people's thoughts and emotions and just various shit. And we're not focusing on, um, the people that actually deserve 
deserve our focus and our attention in my mind. And that's those, those military personnel, those veterans out there that sacrifice their life, their family sacrifices, and yet they kind of get left in the shadows for whatever reason. So I think what you're doing is, is extremely important, and I want to support that any way I can. I appreciate that very much, and I, I, you said it perfectly. I couldn't agree with you anymore. Good deal. Now, um, you know, you obviously mentioned uh, at the beginning, we, you know, we kind of talked about why you're doing this. You mentioned a little uh, rough uh, section of your childhood. Um, you have a military background from our previous conversation. So kind of walk us through that and, you know, growing up, uh, why you joined the military, kind of what, you know, what made you gravitate toward the military and then uh, just kind of go from there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a good, that's a long story too. But I mean, so I can tell you, and the short answer to that is I was looking for purpose and looking for reason to stay alive um, and, and wanted to find something out there that I could do to, that gave me purpose and, and again, reason, right? Um, so that's what led me to look at things like the military. Um, but I, so I, I, I mentioned briefly um, my childhood pre-age of 15, uh, my parents split up when I was really young. Uh, my mother struggled with um, drug and alcohol addiction. You know, she was a beautiful human being, but I only got to see it four or five days a year. And unfortunately, that that shame, I think just it was like a spiral for her that she couldn't give up and grasp. She was a great person, but she never saw it. Like, I, I wish she had seen herself through my eyes and maybe she wouldn't have turned to some of the things that she, that she did. Uh, but that being said, it led to some crazy events as a kid. I had, you know, three or four different stepfathers growing up. Most of them treated me like a punching bag. All of them beat the crap out of my mom and my sisters. One of them tied us up and tried to burn our house house down while we're in it. Um, she would turn to things to bring in money to go buy drugs, things like prostitution. And she would take us with her and I'd be sitting in the room colorless. I actually mentioned to you when I got into this room, it smells like crayons and I hate it. Uh, mm -hmm. I, it brought me right back to as a kid and I'm coloring and watching some horrible shit in front of me. So most wow. of my childhood was me saying, I've got a mom struggling with all this stuff. I'm seeing people kill other people for the wrong reasons, drugs and whatnot. I don't know what the world is about. Why the hell was I even born? Um, so I found most of my my childhood searching for, for something. And then when I was 15, it might have even been early on when I was 16, uh, my mom went to jail. Um, and there was a family in the town I lived in that was willing to let me move in with them and finish out my high school. I could have gone to live with my dad, who was a few hours away, um, but this was the first time in my life I'd ever been in one place for longer than six months. And I was like, can I just finish out my high school here? Right. Um, so they took me in and they saved my life, honestly. they I got to see what it was like all the time to have have a family and do all the things. And then that's when I was like, all right, there's there might be something out there. Um, and then that's when I started saying, well, I, maybe I could be a police officer and help protect the families that went through all the shit that I went through. Maybe I could be a firefighter. Maybe I could, I just wanted to serve. I wanted to feel like my life freaking meant something. Um, but I also desperately was searching for structure, uh, for stability and for direction. And what better than the United States military to give me all those things, dude? I I will I, I joined the military at 18. I had clothes, I had food. <laughs> I knew I was told exactly where to be, when to be there, what to do. And if you want to talk about purpose, I raised my hand uh, at the time because I wanted to make sure others didn't have to. Um, so that was that was the why, and, and that's kind of what got me to the to the military. Wow. What uh, what branch did you go into? 
So I was Army National Guard because uh, I, I stepped my put my toes in, but not completely. But I got to live down in Fort Benning, Georgia, for about eleven months, and it was fantastic. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I, I got to be honest, man. Uh, most kids growing up going with what going through what you went through would not even have probably gotten out of high school. I'll be totally honest with you. And so that in and of itself is is a tremendous feat. But uh, you know, I think you know, I honestly think, and I th- this. I look at any experiences you have as, is you can let it define you or you can define it. Mm-hmm. And I think from what we've talked about thus far and on our prior conversation, you're defining those moments. You're not letting those moments define you, which I'm is hope, pretty hope, impactful. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to, sorry to interrupt you there, but, um, but I want to make sure too, that I was fortunate, and it might be weird to hear me say that, those words. I was fortunate at the time, though, because even going through all that shit, I look back now, and at the time, I didn't recognize this. I was angry. I was angry for, geez, the first 28, 29 years of my life. Um, But I look back now, and my goodness, I had had, um, uh, baseball coaches, football coaches, teachers. It's hard for me not to get emotional when I talk about this. I had um, lunch ladies. I had friends. I had parents of friends at every point from my life that I can remember from the age of five all the way through that little glimpses of it, little glimpses of it, giving me support, giving me support. At the time, I took it for granted. I look back now, and it's because of that that I stayed on the path that I'm on. There's a lot more to it, too. And I also believe, I'm not sure what I believe in spiritually, and, and that's always something I'm you know a little weird about. but. Something, something had me go through that so I can be who I am today and hopefully help somebody else now. Mm-hmm. That that's the whole purpose and reason behind it. I truly believe it. So I was fortunate to have people in my life along the way, little glimpses of it, and then there's some sort of power that that kept me on the right path to to do what I'm doing today. Yep, exactly. Now you know you you, you were in the uh, Army National Guard. How how many years did you serve in the National Guard? I was technically in from '99 to 2007. Okay. Good deal. And then um, on our call, you'd mentioned, um, and you, you, I'm, I'm only bringing it up because you said you are okay talking about it. Uh, you mentioned that uh, you were supposed to be deployed, but you never actually got deployed. Would you like to discuss that a little bit? I, I would. And it's, I think it's important too to understand why I'm so driven for many, many reasons. There's a thousand reasons why I'm driven to help veterans, but this is a big one. We just talked a second ago how I was searching for purpose. I was searching for structure. I needed something and the military gave that to me. And then come around, my unit is being activated. We're supposed to be deployed. And man, Brett, I had a bit of a mental breakdown. You can call it whatever you want to call it. It's all the shit I went through as a kid. Call it whatever. To me now, there's still excuses in my mind. Uh, but I got to a point where my sergeant at the time did not feel comfortable sending me overseas to go to war. So they kept me back. And uh, I instead stayed home, trained other soldiers cleaned up the barracks, did all this shit back home that you do when you're activated, but you're not going overseas um, because I wasn't mentally ready. And I still look back on that now. I'm I'm 42 years old now, you know, so that was 2008, however many, that was what, 15 years ago. And it haunts me to this day that what I raised my hand to do, I could have done and I didn't go do. And I had some brothers that didn't come home. Um, So that's, you know, that's the hard part for me is, is, is facing that truth. And that's, that's real. And call it an excuse, call it what you want, but uh, I wish things had been different. Yep. Man, I appreciate you telling that story because a lot of people going through that situation would not, you know, they would just say, yeah, I served and, you know, you'd kind of hide that. 
And not that you're trying to brag about that, but I think it's important uh, so our listeners understand why you're doing what you're doing with Mission 22 and, you know, going to put yourself through hell for 44 hours. Yeah. Thank, yeah, thank you. It's certainly not bragging about it, um, but I, I, but it's important to know and, and to, to recognize. Yep. Now, aside from the military stuff, you know, obviously I mentioned earlier, we're part of the same business coaching group, the Arte Syndicate, which is a phenomenal uh, business coaching group for anybody out there, any aspiring entrepreneur, even an entrepreneur out there. You know, if you're looking for a straight in your face business coaching that's not rah-rah, you really need to check it out. Obviously, this is not a commercial for Arte, but um, that tells me that you've you've been in the entrepreneur uh, circle for quite some time. Um, you're obviously in the financial services business. So let's, you know, kind of talk a little bit about your, your career path, your professional life and kind of, you know, what brought you to where you're at today. Yeah. Uh, and I couldn't agree more on our take, uh, fortunate to have that as part of my life, to be honest with you. Um, I, I knew early on, I have an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and the reason for that is freedom and flexibility is super important to me, but making an impact on as many people as possible is also just as important. Um, so to give people, I always looked at when I was a kid, I'm like, I'm gonna have this multi-billion dollar company. And the reason I'm going to have that is so that I can serve, be, be a multiplier through a bunch of people who are working for me, right? Hire a bunch of people, help them understand how awesome they are and how important they are to our clients. And then therefore I'm helping as many clients in whatever realm it is. I, I never knew what I wanted to do. And to be fair, I still don't know what I want to want to do. I think we're always uh, trying to figure that out, Ron. I'll be 50 <laughs> years old going, shit, what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> I tell my daughter that all the time. Um, but it originally led to running a, a small adult football team, which I know sounds silly, but there was a team and and I ran it like a business. It wasn't like guys just getting together to play. We ran it like a business, ran it like a charity, started hired people, donated and got to see what it looked like. Um, you know, from there, it ended up uh, eventually turned into I opened a, a CrossFit gym. My wife and I opened a CrossFit gym up in Massachusetts, ran that for about five years. Um, during that time, I also opened my own financial planning firm. Um, I was with a very large financial services company. I started with them in 2008. I left in 19, opened my own firm, did that for three years. Um, and, and now I, I closed that down. I'm, I'm back with the financial services industry now because we actually moved south. We sold our gym, sold the firm, sold our house. My daughter graduated high school. We moved down south. She started college. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> so that's a lot. Um, but then when I got down here back with the firm that I'm with now, uh, I was like three months in, it was funny, man. We both, my wife and I were like, all right, we're not going to own businesses again. It's just the way it is. It's over. And then I got three months in, I was like, I really miss running a business again. So I started looking on what businesses that I can buy. And now I, uh, I also own a barbershop. So okay. it's just the, it's going to go on forever. I think. <laughs> what do you think it is about people that, uh, own their own business or have that entrepreneurial mindset that, you know, what, what do you think it is that's different from the, the person that is an employee? And there's nothing wrong with being an employee. Um, but there's a different mentality. I think it's more of a building mentality of you don't want to just work and get a paycheck. You're trying to build something much bigger to help as many people as possible get a paycheck. But what, I mean, that I'm kind of watering that down a little bit, but in your mind, what do you think that difference is? That's, that's such a great question, and um, I obviously don't know the answer to it, but I, my thoughts on that would be, I, I mean, just personally, right? I go back to being a kid and having that, I was, I felt alone as a kid. I felt like I had to find a way to get through all the shit and make it happen, 
And then I could see working with, like, I got pretty good at understanding how to connect with other people and empathize and understand them. And, and, you know, you get a feeling for what matters to them and being able to change the scenario. So it's even better for them. And I think all of that in a way is, has led me to, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs to say, I'd love to be able to build something that's freaking awesome that people can be proud of that will draw more good people in and in a way, show the next generation and the generation after that how they can do it and inspire them to do greatness, great things, and be better for our entire country. I really think it's it's that that basic, but that big all at the same time. Yeah, you know, uh, in my business, so I recently started my own mortgage brokerage firm. I was with my uh, so I'm what twenty years in the mortgage business this year. I was with my prior company for fourteen years. Um, they did a lot of good stuff for me. I can't I have no complaints with that at all. Um, but, you know, it was really just, it was time for me to start my own brokerage firm. And I think the reason is, is I, you know, my tagline for my business is own your future, mm. right? So I help people buy, buy homes and so own your future kind of makes sense. But the <laughs> more so in what we're talking about on the entrepreneurial side, owning your future is a lot more than just owning where you live. You know, yeah. it's, you know, owning your future means we uh, own our source of income. We, you know, we're not beholden to somebody. We're not indebted to somebody to up to our eyeballs and credit card debt or anything like that. You know, that's, that's financial slavery. If, if you really want my honest opinion, um, and that's not real freedom and real freedom becomes, it becomes, or comes when you own whatever it is you're doing. Um, and I think when you run your own business, like you have done, like you're doing, like I'm doing now, you know, the idea is to, to bring as many people with you as possible and to show them what that means to say, you know what, you don't have to be uh, beholden to an employer necessarily. Yeah, we're going to employ you, but let me show you how you can be as independent as possible, even under this umbrella, right? And owning that sense of self-worth, owning, um, you know, what your future can bring rather than just going through the monotonous days, day after fucking day after day, just punching the clock and going home and just, you know, cracking a beer every day and saying, well, let's get ready for tomorrow. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when I asked, when I asked the question a little bit ago, what do you think the difference is between, you know, just somebody that is an employee and an entrepreneur, you know, my thought on that, and I appreciate your answer. My thought on that is somebody that wants to build something much bigger than themselves. Yeah. You know, Ed Milet has a saying where he says, you know, he's trying to expand his being, mm. whatever that really means. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's well above you and I. Yes. <laughs> we'll, yeah. <laughs> we'll just, yeah. We'll just put, put that out there. But I think every entrepreneur out there is trying to do that. They're trying to build a legacy, not only for them and their family, but for the people that work with them. I don't want to say work for them. Uh, but work with them. Cause I honestly think true leaders have people that work with them and alongside them, not for them. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, I agree with that a hundred percent. I, I that, that's to me what leadership is um, in and inspiring others and, and having a vision and creating change and being part of the change, right? That's, that's all of it at the same time. And it's funny you brought, you brought up legacy, um, that's a topic I think about fairly often, maybe more often than I should at, <laughs> at times. Um, but I think I thought of this when I was when I was a kid and I remember just sitting there being like, this is I don't this is not what I'm going to be remembered for see, being a part of this. Um, and I don't even care down the road if if people remember my name, that would be great. Right. Um, but I hope people remember how I made them feel 
and got the most out of everybody so that they then do that for other people too. Um, I've, I've always said, um, ironically, uh, my dad said this to me when I was really young and I remember it and everybody looked at me with a side eye when I say it, but he said, your life is about how many people show up to your funeral. And I'll tell you that when my dad died, even though I didn't have him, like we weren't the closest and that's, that's mostly because of my mom and the fucking court system, to be completely honest with you. Um, when he died in a car accident when I was 23, just before my daughter was born, who he never got to meet, who turns 19 today, by the way. Oh, nice. Um, the, it's hard to talk about, but the streets were closed down. That guy made people happy just being around him. You know, and when I think of, of owning a business and creating a culture and implementing change and inspiring people, it starts there, and that's the legacy that drives on and drives on and drives on. And that's just one day I hope that I've been able to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I think what you just said is this, and if I can summarize this, the idea behind whatever you do, whatever you do in life is to bring as many people with you and to affect as many people as you possibly can, right? Yeah. You know, there's there's some people that, and I've heard this, this is not my saying, but some people walk into a room and they infect the room and some people affect the room. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think that, you know, uh, you can, you can tell a lot about a person in the way they treat other people and what their real motivations are. What, what, what is their motive when they're meeting with somebody is, you know, and I, I can tell this immediately. I call it being genuine. Um, and what I mean by that is when I'm having a meeting with somebody, I can tell within the first five minutes, if that person is only about it for themselves or if they're about the the greater good, whatever that greater good is, right? Mm -hmm. If the greater good is, hey, I'm here to help you. How can I help you with whatever I'm trying to help you with? You can identify that person. You can also identify a person very fucking quickly that wants to meet with you just to take. Just, hey, what right. can you do for me? What can you, you, you if, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like what you just said about your father is he was more of the kind of guy that, uh, how can I affect as many people as possible? Whatever that is, you know, some people, it might've just been a kind word. Some people, it might've been more mentorship. You know what I mean? Some people, it might've been telling them, Hey, get your fucking shit together because you're, right. you're, you're, you're fucking off. And you know what? A lot of times you don't like to hear that in the moment, but you know, 10 years later, you might say, Holy shit, that person saved my life. Yeah. 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 It's, I, I agree. And I, I laughed, Brett, because such a stupid thing for me to think of in that moment. But right when you said that accountability piece, I remembered being in high school and I, I played baseball in high school, a sport I loved. Um, and my dad would call me after every game and then he would ask, All right, what's your what's your season batting average right now? And I'll never forget one of the freaking calls I had with this man where I called him and I said, I'm batting 489 on the season. He said, why aren't you batting 500? <laughs> And I was like, well, you know, it's good pitching. It's that. He goes, no, it's because you're not in the fucking batting cages every day. You don't want it bad enough. If you wanted it bad enough, you'd be batting 500. So you determine, you you figure it out. Do you want to hit 500 or not? Right. And I was like, holy shit, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I mean, that that's where they call tough love, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you're like, man, I, I mean, four, what'd you say? 469? 489. 489. I mean, 49, man, if you're batting 49, like that's fucking great in baseball, <laughs> right? Uh, but at the same time, if he would have said, hey, that's great, you're doing perfect, there's nothing you need to do better, where would you go from there? 
down, nothing but down. You would go down from there because you're thinking now, now you'd be stuck reading your own headlines, right? He just gave you a headline and you're like, fuck, I'm great. I don't need to go to the batting cages. Right. right. You know, and that's where, um, I think for entrepreneurs, at least for me, I mean, um, I don't have an addictive personality other than with work. And I say that because, and my wife said this to me the other day, she's like, you are addicted to working. And to a point that like, when we go on vacation, man, it takes me two days minimum to like decompress. But that whole time I'm feeling freaking guilty as all could be because I'm like, shit, I have this to do that to do. I could be doing this. I could be doing that, you know? And, And that's the hard part that I have personally is trying to shut that off. But it's because I'm trying to do as much as I possibly can. I'm trying to be in the batting cages every fucking day. Yeah. Love it. I Re- love it. Regardless of what day it is. I mean, it could be yeah. Sunday. I don't care. Yeah. Right. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I, um, I'm similar with that. Um, you know, thankfully I know that I'm, I, I do have an addictive personality though. So I'm the opposite, right? It's, okay. it's with work. It's with fucking everything. Um, well, clearly 44 hour workouts got to tell you something. <laughs> Yeah. I want you to, uh, message me when you're done with that. <laughs> oh, I, I, I won't message you right away. Cause I'll probably go to bed, but yeah, yeah you'll get a message. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so on that note, then, um, you know, with, with the struggles that you had growing up and, you know, kind of getting into your adult life, you know, what kind of steered you into the self-employment world, the business owning world versus just going to get a job doing whatever, whatever profession that you would have fallen into. And I say fallen into, cause I think a lot of us, me included fall into whatever professions we're in. You know, I don't know of oh, any yeah. five-year-old kid that says, fuck When I grew up, I want to be a mortgage broker. No <laughs> fucking way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I, I, t- I did too. I fell into the world of financial services that I'm in. I got you know, it's, it's a right place, right time scenario, I guess. Um, you know, a big part of why I ended up in this world is, um, I remember being a kid, seeing people wear suits and hold briefcases and talk about money. I'm like, all right, they, they seem to have more than I did when I was a kid. So I want to be that. Um, and then I started applying for VP of sales jobs for the largest banks in the country. And that's a whole other story, which is ridiculous. (laughs) At the time I was a janitor. Um, But um, what brought me to entrepreneurship, I think, I don't think it even was, I liked doing it because I like to organize things in, I mean, let's just call it what it is. I like to organize things my way as well. I, I worked for a lot of shitty people along the way. I had some shitty jobs. A lot of it, I also had a shitty attitude for most of my, you know, young, late teens, early 20s. Um I played on sports teams that I thought weren't run as well as they could have been, all the things. So I was like, all right, well, I can start a football team. I'm not going to go play for somebody else. I'm going to run my own and I'm going to do it my way. Um, and then I'm going to learn from it and then I'm going to stop and then I'm going to do it again. <laughs> um, same thing with, with the CrossFit gym. Um, I started doing some, you know, some crazy workouts. I started training a lot of the football players that were on my team and other teams. And I was like, all right, why don't I just turn this into a thing on the side? Because thankfully at that time I had a, a fairly uh, successful career in the world of financial services. So, I mean, I had a, I had a safety net there. And I, so I started, I started the gym and I was kind of running that on the side. Um, but it really comes down from, I had some shitty leaders. I had, uh, this is before working in the world of finances. I had some shitty bosses, shitty leaders, shitty jobs, shitty attitude, 
And I just wanted to do things my way. And then I wanted to help people. So I just said, F it, let's just go ahead and do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's what started the whole gym and then everything else that's come after that. Gotcha. So obviously, you know, it would have no growth journey to go to, to do that. Um, can you identify, or do you remember the point in t- point in your life when you're like, you know, I need to start reading some books that are going to help my, help me. I need to start consuming information, whether it be reading, listening to podcasts, listening to talk radio, listening to whatever, watching whatever that's going to start feeding me positively rather than feeding me junk food. That's just going to continue the death spiral right now for me, I can identify exactly when that was, but I always want to ask, I mean, can you identify when that was? I have, I have two inflection points in my life that scream to me, um, but they don't necessarily align with the question. So forgive me, but I'm going to be completely transparent and honest when I tell it to you. The first one was, I mentioned a second ago when my dad, my father died, um, soon, uh, before that. So that was January 24th of 19 years ago. Um, before that though, is uh, my wife and I, she was my, my fiance at the time was pregnant and we went into the doctor's office and I was still a shithead. <laughs> I don't know why she was with me to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but we heard my daughter's heartbeat and that I'm not kidding you. I remember it like it was yesterday and it was like massive fucking alarm bells going off on my head saying, dude, you, you got through all that shit as a kid. You're about to have one. Are you going to be the, a shithead or are you going to try to give her everything that you wish you had? And that was the moment when I said, I'm going to get my head out of my ass. I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to I'm going to earn as much as I can do whenever I can to support her. And that's when two jobs at a time, three jobs at a time, learning about as many industries as I can. That's when I grew some balls, if you will, and made those calls to try to work in the world of finance, mm-hmm. you know, because um, I didn't give a shit what I had to do to make sure I put food on the table and saved and did everything I could for her and for my wife. Right. That was one. So that wasn't specific to bettering myself. And it certainly wasn't, I started reading books. It came later when I was working many years later, when I was working in the world of finance, when we had the big house when we had the awesome cars, when we had the money in the account, when I was making a very large amount of money, when my world came crashing down because all that shit I went through as a kid, I never addressed. And I started having these fucking midnight cold sweats where I woke up because I was having dreams about killing myself over and over and over and over again. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. So I started seeing a doctor. I started... And it started fucking up my work and all this shit. So then finally, at the time, my boss came to me and said, hey, we've got these services that can help you and you can take a leave of absence. Why don't you do it? So I did. I took that leave of absence. And when I took that leave of absence, I was introduced to 75 Heart. When 75 Heart, and that was just one of those things that came across my screen. I looked at it. It talked about how hard it is and most people can't do it. So naturally, I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this thing. And it, right. it, that was it, you know, so it, and it turned into, you, you got to read a book, you get to do all the things. So that was it. I said, I'm going to commit to this while I'm out and I'm going to commit to my mind, my mental health. And I'm going to just see what the fuck is going on because I'm not a good father right now. I'm not a good husband. I'm a f- terrible friend. I'm a horrible employee. I got to where I am, but that's not where it ends. It's on me to switch it. So that's when I started reading. And man, that was, I don't know. 
That was, I'm trying to remember the exact date because it was probably 18, 19, 2019-ish. Okay. And I've read, I don't even know, 300 and something books since then. I'm, I listen to podcasts all the time. I have conversations with amazing people like you as often as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just try to stay on that. And I still do all that shit every single day. Yep. Don't you find it interesting? And um, I'm, I'm just as guilty of this as uh, a lot of people. I find it interesting that there are some people that can be extremely fucking successful in spite of not having the personal growth journey. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like, and I was there. I mean, I'm numero fucking uno on that. Um, And I look back and I'm like, I don't know. I honestly don't know how I did that. Um, You know, leading to where I am now, you know, talk about 75 hard. Um, I've completed that. I'm in between phase two and phase three of live hard right now. Um, nice. In the last year, so July 18th, matter of fact, July 18th of 2022 uh, was when I first started 75 Hard. So we're uh-huh. right out of year. And I got to tell yeah. you, now in 2006-ish um, till probably 2009, give or take, um, I went through a, a light personal growth journey. I say light because it was some light reading. I was never consistent with it. I hate reading personally. Can't stand it. I'm not good at it. Um, and so, you know, people say, ah, did you read this? I'm like, man, I'll get the audio book. Um, <laughs> just cause I can't fucking, I could not stand reading, you know what I mean? And so, you know, last year, um, and I've taught, I've told this story numerous times on this podcast, but last year I was just, I was in a funk, man. I was killing it with work, been killing it with work for quite a few years, but something was just off. If that makes sense. Sure does. Kind of like what you're talking about. And you know, my group, uh, when I grew up, it was nothing like what you grew up with. I don't even want to compare that, but something was off and I'm like, like fuck, I, I don't know what it is, you know, drinking every day or, you know, four days a week leading to five days a week, you know, happy hours and all the bullshit. So started 75 hard, 10 pages of reading every day. And I got to tell you, when I tell people I read 10 pages a day, they're like, that's it. I'm like, let me tell you something, 10 pages every day, every day, count that out. 10 pages with 365 days a year. That is a lot of books and that's a lot of knowledge going in that you would not get otherwise. That's right. And that's That's a fact. And I'll tell you, I mean that, you know, that journey for me, you know, and that was again, kind of summarized. I didn't want to steal your thunder, but um, that journey for me was just over the last year um, has transformed my life personally, professionally, as well as my mental fitness, my mental health, even my physical fitness, you know, the yeah. physical fitness piece is a byproduct of all the other shit. It's the, it's the visible thing that people can see, yep. um, which is great. But the shit people can't see is what you're putting in your mind on an everyday basis. Yeah. It, it, the, and the mental health side of like, I mean, dude, I just told the story, right. Where I, li- I was in the best shape of my life. I had all the fucking things yeah. and I fell apart because like, I was putty in the inside. I was you know, and I hadn't put the fucking work because that's the hardest. That's like I had to face my I had to face the fact that I was I was not mentally strong enough to go to war when I should have. I had to face the fact that I was a shitty person for five, six years, uh, you know, after high school. Like I had to face all that and then face all the shit that happened to me and just relive it because everybody goes through stuff. Everybody does. And some use it as an excuse. Some use it, whatever. There are some things, right? There's the one percenters, right? But but I think what happens with people is everybody wants it to be fixed now and not face anything and just move forward. So to your exact point, 
10 pages a day is just one example, but 10 pages a day, every fucking day is far better than I'm going to read 200 pages today and then not pick up another fucking book for two years. That's right. And, you know, I'm going to work out today for two hours and crush myself. And then I'm going to go drink a 12 pack and eat like shit and not, not be back in the gym for another two weeks and wonder what's going on. It's that it's the, it's the little wins quote unquote every day that add up and, and they just, they grow. And I'll tell you this too. I still, I still have days where I don't want to get the fuck out of bed. I still have days where depression's a thing. I'm not going to deny it. Right. It's, it's a thing. It's real. Um, but I call it the storm. And there used to be a time in my life when the storm was deep, real, real fucking bad for a long time. And I had to just sit in it and deal with it. Storm still comes, but it's a lot more shallow and it's a lot less frequent and it's a lot shorter. And it's because of all this shit I put work into. Yeah. Don't you think, so you made a comment uh, earlier on that you, you were attracted to the military because you needed structure, right? Yep. Yep. What we're talking about is life structure, yep. right? And you know, for me personally, I work very good off of checklists and to-do lists and you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Like I, I, I just, I get very efficient when I can map out what I have to get done on an, on any given day. Um, rather than being like a fucking empty given day, just kind of floating around going, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Right. <laughs> uh, which I think we all know people like that. Yeah. But you know, the structure that you're talking about, the structure that you, uh, strive to, uh, strive to get when you join the military is the same kind of structure you've developed for yourself now. And you know, that structure is, I think what propels people to do great things, to do big shit. And the people that are lacking in structure or have no idea how to, to develop structure, you need to find a mentor, you need to find a program, you need to find something to give you that structure to develop the discipline or, or to develop the habits. But in order to develop habits, you better have discipline to develop those habits. On point, man. And I talk about this all the time. With I, I'm fortunate enough to have you know people in my life that ask me for advice and I have others I ask for advice. And um I talk about all the time about habits and behaviors. Your habits and behaviors are going to determine where you end up in life and that structure and that discipline. And what I talk about, I just had this conversation with a really good friend last night who was going through some shit. And I'm like, you, we need to develop your standing operating procedure. Let's what's your standard operating procedure every day and just do this for a while. And you'll be amazed how 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 that works. What happens though, and you know this, Brett, is you talk about people. You know the paper. I love the paper cup analogy. I think of it like a plastic bag too, right? Yeah. But um, but what happens, I think, is some people are like, I'm going to commit to doing this, and that's like four days, or or hey, it's not working. Um, they don't commit long enough to actually see. Or one of the faults I used to have, and I still have from time to time, is they don't celebrate some of those wins along the way, so they don't even realize that it's working. And they give up before they should give up. And yep. then it throws everything out the fucking window. Yep. Now, you had mentioned that you run a team of financial advisors. Yeah. Uh, so when you're running a team of financial advisors, what is what is your leadership style? Let's talk about that for a moment. Yeah. Um, I am. Um, I'm not a hands off leader, uh, uh, but I'm not a micromanager either. Right. There's an in between. I try to get to know every individual for who they are as a person, what's worked for them, what hasn't, um, help them self-discover areas that they could improve, 
and then try to help them implement, ironically, to your point, <laughs> implement structure on a day to day basis that will help them reach their goals. So we'll define what their goals are, where they want to be. We backtrack all the way to it. Well, if you want to be here, go all the way back to day one, then you need to do this every day and check that box to get to there eventually. And then I'm there to hold them accountable. I'm more of a coach um, and, and a mentor than I am. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm not a manager. I think people manage things. You lead people. Uh, and I'm not a data manager at all. Uh, so I try to be more of a mentor and a leader in, in that realm. Man, I love what you just said. People manage things and you lead people. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people think I've got to manage. I got to micromanage. I got to nitpick. I got to, and people don't respond too well to that. I mean, no. maybe one out of 10 might, maybe. But ultimately, people want to be led and people want to be led in a manner that is in their best interest, whatever that might be. And I don't think you can understand that until you understand the person individually. Agreed. Uh, yep. 100%. Uh, 100. And I get more fulfillment out of that, too. Right. Because I get fulfillment. Out, we've talked about this whole time. If I'm helping another person be the greatness that I see in them, I feel as though I, I'm playing a small part in that. And I'm leaving more of a legacy that I just talked about. I, it's weird to say, but. I try, I try to live in the moment, and this is something I've gotten better with as I've gotten older. Um, I try to live in the moment as much as I possibly can, but I also find myself worried I'm running out of time, right? So I need to make the most of this of this interaction. Like my time right now with you, this is the most important thing to me right now because there might not be another thing. It could end right after this. Sure. So I better make the most of this time with you, and it's unlike that way with everybody in my life. That's fantastic. Basically, what you just said is you're present in every interaction that you have. You're not scrolling yeah. on your phone. You're not checking fucking email. You're not checking social media. Like it's present for the for the task at hand. Um, and I got to be honest, that's something I'm trying to work very hard on. Just because you know I, I've I've got this weird. It's not just weird. It's it's what everybody. This is text messages and phone calls and emails and all the shit. To where uh, I'm literally. I love what you just said because I'm trying to make a focus in my life now being whatever I'm doing. I'm a hundred percent on that. I'm not checking anything else. You know, I'm not checking fucking Facebook feeds or messages or anything. Like I'm focused on whatever that task at hand is. But even on my phone calls with clients, when I'm hanging out with my son, whatever in the moment. And I think, you know, we're so distracted on a daily basis in general that people kind of lose sight of that. You know what I mean? They think, we all think, me included, oh, I can micro, I, I can uh, uh, multitask, I can do this and that. And the reality is what happens when you do that? What happens when you're trying to pay attention to something else and you're hanging out with your kid? You ultimately get irritated with your kid for bugging you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, jeez. Right? right. And yeah. so for me, I'm, I'm trying to make a conscious effort on my own time now to say, okay, when I'm with my son, my son's three and a half. So when I'm with my son, I'm, I'm there. I'm not messing around doing whatever else or you know if i got to take a business phone call you know late in the day i'll go to another room entirely just because i don't want to be distracted when i'm on that call but i also don't want him to feel like i'm ignoring him and this call is more important does that make sense it it, it does and it's like i think back to like how i want to be remembered and that might help you too right in every moment think, i have a brief second of how do i want to be remembered is the guy that's checking my phone or the guy that's paying attention to my kid you know what i mean um that's huge. I, I think so. With me, though, because I used to, I, I still fall victim of it from time to time. I mean, I'm, it happens to all of us, right? But with me, it's just, I think it's just as simple, Brett, as I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough 
fucking brain capacity <laughs> to do all these things. So I just give in. That's it. <laughs> I love that actually. Yeah. Cause I mean, the smartest people out there think, Oh, I have, you know, I could do this and do that and do this at the same time. And like me, I'm like, fuck, I'm, I, I got to focus, man. I get one thing, but you know, the thing is though, if you focus on one thing at a time, you, you're completely way more efficient. You're more efficient. You get it done faster. It gets done in a more quality manner. You know, you're not having to, you know, half-ass it, half-ass two, three things at once. And then you're going back to fix the shit later on because you weren't paying attention. Yeah. Who, who would have thought in this day and age that telling someone focusing on one thing would actually be more beneficial than focusing on 8,000 things all at once. Right. It's almost like we're weirdos for saying that now. Well, right. That's because, you know, with technology, social media, you know, technology is a great thing, but it's also a curse, man, because like we talked about going on vacation, you know, some of my best vacations ever is when I have zero cell service and there is no fucking Wi-Fi because it's like I'm out like there's there's nothing I can do about it. You know what I mean? Some of the worst vacations is when I have Wi-Fi, I have cell service and you're like, well, it's coming in. I better take care of it. Right. So. You just yeah. need that downtime. Now, um, you know, we're running up on an hour. I want to ask you one more question and then we'll uh, we'll let it go. But do you have a set of core values that you communicate to your team, uh, the, the team of financial advisors that you work with? So it's, it is, but it's in the realm of the world of finance, right? So, um, so it's more of a commitment. I, I, I call it a commitment uh, that we're going to make. And it's, so it's not necessarily core values, but I think it's underlying in there. And I tell everybody all the time on our team, we're going to be the best uh, subject matter experts when it comes to everything in the markets, the economy, and our solutions that we offer. Uh, we're going to be the best conversationalists with every client that we have in the entire industry, which means we have the ability to connect with, make sure every client feels seen and heard and understood. Uh, and then finally, we're going to be the best financial planners in the entire company. We're going to know the ins and outs and the why and help people live their dreams. So it's more standards like that that I set than necessarily core values. But as you, when you hear that, you know, there's a bunch of core values that are interwoven throughout all, all of that for sure. Absolutely. You know, and I think that uh, we should have professional core values for our businesses. We should also have personal core values sure. that we don't deviate from, you know, and those yeah. are two very different things. They can kind of be interwoven, but our personal core values is what's going to feed the professional core values. For sure. And if they're yeah. off just a little bit, you're, you're, you're going to be rowing in circles. Yeah. Well, that's when the inner compass starts going nuts and you start feeling off and you're like, what's going on here? And that's typically all it is. You got away from your core values. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Now we came up on an hour, man. That was a quick conversation. Crazy. Um, it's insane. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I wish you the best of luck in what you're doing uh, next week. Um, where can everybody connect with you at? I know you mentioned it earlier, but why don't you just reiterate where everybody can connect with you at? Yeah, definitely. So I promise you, I'll send you the link to the to the charity and to the website so that you have it. Um, but with me personally, and to find that information, I'm on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and Instagram, and it's just Ron Lottie, at Ron Lottie, R-O-N-L-O-T-T-I. That's it. I'm not on a ton. You'll see a lot of weird pictures of me and workouts I'm doing. Uh, but, but reach out, connect, let's, let's, let's stay in touch. Perfect. Perfect. And yeah, uh, for all of our listeners, I will put that link in the show notes. That way you have e- easy access to it. Please support this man. Please support what he's doing because it's, you're just incredible, Ron. I appreciate you. I really enjoyed connecting with you and I really appreciate what you're doing for the veterans of this country because, um, they need support any way they can get it. 
Thank you for your time. It's, I've enjoyed this so much. Uh, I'm grateful to have you in my life and, and thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. And then uh, everybody out there, um, as you do every episode, please share this episode. Please share it with a friend, a family member, anybody that you know that might, you think, man, this person has to hear this message, whatever that is. Um, also, whatever platform you're on, please rate us, whether Apple, Spotify, you know, whatever platform, please, get, please give us a rating. Please give us, give us a review. And then with that, everybody, thanks for listening and be defiant. See ya. See ya.